Welcome to How Now, the podcast where we talk about how to live in the now. And here's your host, Kim Martin Raymond. and blessings, love and light. And welcome to another edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. I am your host, Kim Martin Raymond. I'm a minister, spiritual life coach, author, and founder of Redefining You LLC, where I help my clients to realign themselves, mind, body, and spirit. And that's just what we're going to talk about tonight, Redefining You. We're going to be talking about my business, how I started redefining you, and also giving you a few tips on how to redefine you. So if this is your first time listening to the How Now podcast, go on over to www.hownowpodcast.com. Find your favorite podcast platform, and then make sure that you sign up so that each time my show airs, you'll have an opportunity to hear it. Or you can click on the banner for this week's show, and it will take you to the YouTube channel for the How Now podcast, where you'll be able to watch the shows on demand. You'll be able to catch some of the episodes that you may have missed. Again, www.hownowpodcast.com. Make sure you like, subscribe, and share today. Leave a comment if you're enjoying the show and the content, okay? So we are in the second season of the How Now podcast, and we're talking about wellness journeys and talking about aligning ourselves, mind, body, and spirit. And so, you know, I want to talk a little bit about redefining you and, and how I got started on this path because I'm in the middle of a wellness journey myself. And, you know, it's important for us to know how to go about doing that, especially in this new space that we're in. Okay. And the one thing that I want us to always be mindful of is that our journey, our journey is not just about a physical journey. It's about a mental journey and it's about a spiritual journey as well. And just like we require nourishment for our bodies when we're hungry, we know that there are certain things that we should eat that are going to give us energy. And, you know, we want that to be the same with regards to our spiritual walk and our mental uh, capabilities as well. We want to be able to nourish and feed those aspects of ourselves as well, because all three of them go hand in hand. So we're always looking to see how we can align ourselves. So one thing that I ask in my workshops when I talk about redefining you is if you were to put your your life into your navigation system, where would it take you? Would you have a definitive place to go? Would you know what that destination is? Do you have a purpose and a goal set for your life? Or would you find yourself in a constant state of recalculating? Is it that you find yourself continuously going down streets that look familiar, but that don't necessarily lead to where you want to go? You know, and that's something that's important for us to consider. You know, what, what is our direction? What is our path? What is it that we're seeking to do? When we wake up in the morning, do we have a purpose and a goal set for what it is that we want to do for that day in this now? You know, and that was a question that I had to ask myself many, many years ago. 
because for those who don't know my backstory and my history, you know, I moved to uh, Atlanta from New York when I was 26 years old, back in 1996, you go on and do the math. And what I did was um, I moved here with my uh, ex-husband, at the, well, my husband at the time, and uh, my uh, two young daughters. Uh, one was three and the other was seven. And we moved here to Atlanta shortly after the Olympics. I was 26 years old. Uh, I started working for the school system here in the metro Atlanta area. And uh, about 13 months after I purchased, um, after I moved here, I purchased my first home. And so I felt as though I was quote unquote living the American dream. I was married, you know, had the house with the picket fence, had the two cats in the yard. And, you know, I was, you know, doing all the things that I thought, uh, you know, a mom and a wife and a worker bee should do. And so I was going about my life, uh, you know, feeling as though I had accomplished something at a young age. I had moved, I had, you know, developed my independence and was able to uh, provide for my family. And uh, things took a a drastic change in uh, 2009. In October of 2009, I was uh, finishing up the final portion of my master's program at one of the local universities here. And um, I was taking uh, some intensive uh, weekend courses uh, to finish up my coursework in May. And I was excited about that because I was going to be turning 40 that following year. And I was like, okay, I've met another milestone. I've, I've you know, finished my, uh, you know, my MBA and, and I'm excited about that and was just going on about life. And, uh, I had come home that afternoon and, um, you know, for my classes and, um, my daughter was, my youngest daughter was sleeping, my oldest daughter and, and my husband at the time were, uh, you know, in their respective rooms, watching TV or doing whatever it was they were doing. And, um, my oldest daughter had complained of a, um, of, you know, her throat hurt bothering her. And, you know, I checked to make sure that she didn't have, um, you know, issues with, with her throat or, you know, strep or anything like that. So I said, well, you know what, let's just change out everybody's toothbrushes and, and make sure that, you know, everybody's good. And so my, uh, husband at the time went to the, to the store, got some toothbrushes, came back, I was preparing dinner. And uh, when he came back, I said, well, you know what, I'm going to, you know, ask my youngest daughter, you know, what color toothbrush she wants, so we can go ahead and and get that squared away and then just go on about finishing up dinner. Uh, I had seen her the night before, because she was taking the braids out of her hair and was going to be getting her hair rebraided the following uh, day, because they were off from school. And so I went upstairs to her room and knocked on the door. She had been up late. So, you know, it was not unusual for her to be sleeping. And so went into her room and, you know, she was laying on the floor, which was not uncommon because that's what she did. (laughs) She liked to sleep on the floor. And so, um, you know, I went in and, you know, climbed up on her back and was like, wake up, wake up. And immediately I realized that she was not breathing. And so 
you know, I proceeded to give her CPR and she was gone. And my whole world changed at that very moment. And you never want to experience that as a parent. But I remember them coming. I remember, uh, you know, waiting almost a month before they were able to tell me what the cause of death was. And um, my 16-year-old baby had passed away of a brain aneurysm. And it was difficult, you know, because now here it is, I've, I've lost my daughter. Unfortunately, I was in the process of a divorce as well from my third husband. Yeah, I said third. Uh, my third husband and my oldest daughter had just graduated from college herself and was moving to New York uh, a couple of months later. So she was scheduled to move to New York in December of that same year. And so I went from being a mom and a wife and a worker bee and, and having everything that I thought, you know, life had to offer to now having a daughter who had passed away to having like to be being an empty nester now because my oldest daughter was moving away and was moving out and and being divorced. So for the first time in my life, I was also living by myself. And it was like, okay, so I've been so defined by the roles that I played in everyone's life. Again, mom, you know, wife, worker bee. And now it was like, my daughter is, I'm still going to be a mom, but my daughter is not going to be here where I'm actively engaging with her. My oldest daughter, my youngest daughter is no longer here on earth with me. And, and I'm no longer somebody's wife, somebody's boo, somebody's bae. And it was a difficult time for me because I didn't know how to function outside of those roles. So it was tough. It was a tough season. But the one thing that I never was, was angry at God for taking my baby from me. Okay, because I gave her back to him when he gave her to me. And that, that was something that helped in the healing process. And so, you know, I was the person that you know, all of my friends would come to and would say, hey, Kim, you know, we have a friend who lost their, their daughter. You know, what do we tell her? And a lot of my friends said that. They said, we didn't know who to turn to because you are our go-to person to ask questions like that to because you always had an answer, you know? And I just had to tell them, just, just continue to be my friend. Just continue to, you know, listen to me and let me tell you what it is that I need when I determined or when I figure out what it was that I needed, because I didn't know at the time, you know, so it, it, it was a season. It was a time for me to figure out who I was, because at the end of the day, you know, I had someone to ask me a simple question. They said, Kim, 
you know, now that, you know, you're no longer married and your daughter is, uh, you know, has moved up to New York and you're living by yourself, what do you like to do? What are you going to do? And I had never considered that question. And so I sat there for a long time trying to say, I have no idea what I like to do because I've always done everything for everybody because that as a mom, that's what you do. You nurture, you support, you help. And in the process, sometimes what you do is you neglect yourself. And that's what I was doing. And it was a simple question. What do you like to do? And I couldn't answer that question. I remember going to, uh, the, to Walmart to go and pick up some groceries. And I had walked around the store and picked up almost about $300 worth of groceries before I realized it was just me living at the house. So I stopped short of going to the cash register. And then I had to turn around and look at the, look at the, the cart and say, okay, so what do I like? What do I need to take out of here? And I remember walking out of the store because I didn't even know what I liked to eat because I ate what everybody else ate. And so, you know, it, it was a, a turning point for me because I had to figure out who Kim was outside of the roles that I played. And so that's how the whole aspect of redefining you started because I said, you know, it's finding myself again because all of us, when we were little, had goals and aspirations, things that we wanted to do when we grew up. You know, we, I remember wanting to always want to be a teacher, always wanted to do that. And then I also wanted to be a banker and I also wanted to be a ballerina. But those are the things that I wanted to do. And, you know, I, I, had, I had dreams. And somewhere along the line, I lost sight of those dreams. I lost sight of those things that I wanted to do. You know, even though I was in school for, for education and then I changed my, my major to business and, and decided to get my MBA because, you know, I, I had some pivots along the way. I still wasn't certain whether that was exactly what it was I wanted to do. And so here, here I was, 40 years old, trying to figure my life out, you know? And, and how was I going to find myself again? How was I going to find that little girl again who had dreams, you know? And what were my new dreams? What was my purpose? I now had to determine what my purpose was in life. What is it that I'm supposed to do if I'm not, you know, operating in these roles, you know, what is it that I'm supposed to do? Where am I supposed to find my happiness and my joy? Yes, I still have my, my oldest daughter. And that was important to remember too, because even though I lost one daughter, I still had another daughter who lost her sister. And I had to be there to support her and to, and to, to be what she needed me to be and to continue to be her mom because she's still here. So those were things that were important for me to consider. So now I had to sit down and find myself again. I had to redefine who I was. And that's how, the, how redefining you came to being, you know? Because I said, I can't be the only person who was getting to this point. And it doesn't have to necessarily be a tragedy, but what it was, was, you know, having a, a, a pivotal moment 
whether it be career-wise, whether it be, you know, empty nesting, whether it be divorce, anything like that. What is it that you do at that point? How do you go about rediscovering the things that, that bring you peace, the things that bring you joy, the things that, that, you know, make your life complete, that fill your cup? Because we get so caught up in filling everyone else's that we forget about ourselves. And of course, now we know uh, in this time of pandemic where a lot of people have had an opportunity to sit down with themselves, then you hear all these buzzwords like self-care. Those weren't things that we were considering back then. All we knew to do was to, to work hard, you know, get you a house, get you a car, do those things, and, and, and you'll have happiness. But you find out and you soon discover that that's not what brings you joy and that there's an inner peace that takes place. There's a gratitude for the things that you have in life that takes place, especially when you lose something. You begin to, to stop and think, okay, what's important, you know? And with this situation, I had to learn what was important. What are some things that were important to me? What are some things that, that I was willing to to accept in life and what things I weren't, I, I wasn't. <laughs> and so that's, that became a turning point. And so that's what I started to help my clients with, talking about redefining themselves, talking about what are some of the things that they need to do to move from a space of inspiration to transition to transformation. Because those are the steps that I needed to go through. You know, I needed to be inspired to do something outside of what it was that I was doing. Then I had to go about making those transitions so that I could be transformed into a person that could find her own peace and find her own way. And to be able to reach back and help others to do the same. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about doing that recalibration. I talked about earlier about what you would do if you were put your life in, in, in your navigation system. What is that you can do to recalibrate yourself, to readjust, to reset yourself so that that way you can be the best version of yourself? And so I want to talk a little bit about what that looks like, okay? Because the one thing that we want to do first is we want to make a personal assessment. We want to look and see what are the things that are going on in our life right now. One thing that I learned as I was going through this process is that I had a lot of toxic relationships. Things that, you know, people in my life that were more of a crabs in the barrel, you know, who were not there to support, but were there to drag me down. And that was something that I didn't want in my life. So I had to do that assessment. Who are the people in my inner circle? Who are the people who I trust? Who are the people who I know will be there when I need them and, and, and are going to, to give me that inspiration that I need? You know, and unfortunately, during my tragedy, I learned that there were some people who I thought were my friends and they weren't. They weren't there at the times when I needed them. And I understand that people have their own independent lives and they have things that they're doing. But there, there are other ways that they could have supported me that they always say, oh, girl, you don't have to worry. Anything happens to you, I got you. And they didn't have me. You know, I, I remember one person, shout out to my girlfriend, Charlene. 
I will never forget when I went back to work and everyone was scared to come into my office because they didn't know what to say. She just walked into my office and she said, hey girl, you good? And I said, yeah, I'm good. But she made me feel like me again. You know, when everyone else was too scared to say anything, they didn't even want to say hi. And, and, and sometimes you just need that. You need to get back into, you know, get back into living life. And some people in, in, their, in their fear of hurting my feelings wind up hurting my feelings more by, by, you know, making it seem as though I had the scarlet letter on my door and nobody could come and say anything. But I get it, you know? But it's, it's taking a moment and, and analyzing the people that are in your life. And what it is that they're saying to you? Are they saying things that encourage and inspire and uplift you? Or are they saying things like, yeah, girl, same thing happened to me. Yeah, girl, this is going on with me. Yeah, girl. Sometimes that's not what we need. We need encouragement. We need to be inspired. Or sometimes we just need to be left alone to, to, with our thoughts. But just for somebody to say, girl, if you need anything, I'm here. You know, just let me know how I can help you. And that empowers that person to be able to get past the point that they're at. So we want to make sure that we're looking at the people who are in our, in our inner circle. Are there people that, are they people that we trust? Are they people that we can confide in? And that's not everyone. We all have people who we are associated with, people who work in our, you know, at our jobs and we go and we say hello to them, but we don't tell them our deepest, darkest secrets. You have a small circle of people that are, are in, in that inner circle who, who you know that, that you can trust. And it does not always have to be a member of your family. Sometimes you trust people outside of your family more than you trust your, your own blood relatives. It happens. You know, I have girlfriends, we are called the Fab Five. They're five of us. We talk all the time. We've been friends for 30 plus years. Those are my sisters. That, that's my circle. They've been with me through death, through life, through marriage, through all kinds of things. They've been there. And they've shown themselves to be worthy of being in my inner circle. Not just because they were my sister or my cousin or anybody like that, but because they've earned a space in my inner circle. And I know that if there's anything that I need, I can call on one or all of them and they'll be there. So it's a matter of making sure that you have people in your inner circle. You know who those people are that you can trust and confide in. You know, that's something that's important. We want to make sure that we have people around us that are going to, to support us and sustain us. Then we want to also look at some of the barriers, what are some of the things that are keeping us from determining what our purpose and our plan is for our lives? What, who, you know, what is it that, what is it that is a stumbling, stumbling block? You know, I think about when I was going to school and, you know, I didn't say, well, I can't go to school because I have, I have kids. My kids were my stepping stones 
they were my inspiration for going back to school because I wanted to continue to create a better quality of life for them. And so, you know, you start to look at what are those things that are barriers? Is it my education? Is it my fear of failure? Is it my fear of success? And there is such a thing. Sometimes people don't think about that. We always think about, oh, well, you know, people are scared or they're afraid to fail. It's not always about failing. Sometimes it's what if I do do it and it works? Can I continue to do that? Am I prepared for, for what that means? You know, and that's something that we have to think about too. Because sometimes we've seen people who have businesses and they say, you know, I make the best cookies in the world. And then they go to sell those cookies and those cookies are flying off the shelf like hotcakes and they don't have, or they haven't put into place systems necessary to mass produce what it was that they thought was so wonderful. They didn't consider that if it was a success, do I have the resources or the capability to continue to do this? And so there are some people who have that fear of, if I do succeed, am I going to be able to to handle that success? And we've seen in the past that some people are not prepared to handle the success that comes. Or we ask for money and we don't know what to do with the money once we get it. We've all seen people who are millionaires or people who have won the lottery and then they're broke a year later because they asked for something and then didn't know what to do with it when they got it. Does that sound familiar? (laughs) For some it may, you know? So it's a matter of figuring out what are the stumbling blocks? What are the barriers? What are those things that are keeping me from doing what it is that I want to do? Is it comfort? Sometimes it's comfort. You get so comfortable in doing what it is that you're doing that the thought of doing something new and having to reestablish or restart something it creates a fear. And then you're, you're like, well, you know, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing because that's what's working for me right now. You know, but does that mean that it's working for you always or that there's not something better out there for you? You know, is it a lack of knowledge? You know, and the one thing that that is a blessing in this age of technology, there are so many things that if we don't know about them or, or something that we're not familiar with, we've got the world open to us to be able to, to Google, to be able to YouTube things that that we never would have been able to do out of a card catalog. If you <laughs> and that's me dating myself <laughs> in that card catalog. And being able to say, okay, we can live outside of our immediate environment. If we have access to the technology to be able to to inquire about those things that we don't know about. We don't have to rely on, you know, Uncle Joey or or you know, Aunt Betty to tell us, you know, about the things that they know, you know, because they may be the only worldly person in our, you know, in our circle. You know, we have access to information and a means to to um, make those inquiries and to say, okay, these are some things that that I want to know about. Let me go and inquire about them. 
What are our resources? And if we don't have those resources, how can we go about getting them? We have to get to a space where we can start asking those kinds of pointed questions. What is it that's keeping me from moving forward? And how do I identify that? You know, how do I look within and say, okay, let me look at the past and see what are some things that I haven't done and why haven't I done them? Okay, we hear that a lot now. Everybody says to establish what your why is. And if you don't know what your why is, then you have to ask yourself, why not? Why haven't I done this? Why haven't I been able to, to um, you know, move beyond this space? And that's where you start to identify those barriers. Okay, so again, we talk about uh, making sure that we know who our inner circle is, those people who can support and encourage us, who can uplift us, who can walk with us. And then we also want to determine, you know, what our barriers are. What are those things that are holding us back, that are keeping us from doing the things that we're seeking to do? Okay. Those two things are important. Okay. Then we also want to look at, you know, our ability to ask for help. Okay. There are so many of us out here that are independent. We want to be able to do things on our own. And when we, when we, you know, limit ourselves like that, sometimes we can get in our own way. And we hear that a lot. You know, sometimes you have to get out of your own way in order to, to, you know, be successful or in order to, to, uh, you know, put ourselves in a space where, where we're open to, to doing something new. We have to get out of our own way. We have to not be our own stumbling block, to be our own barrier. We don't want that to be the case. We want to be able to, to say, okay, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, in this, I'm in this weird space. I'm in a weird space. I'm not in a place where, where uh, I feel like I can move forward. I'm not in a space where I feel like, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can move beyond where I am. You know, we have to get out of our own way. We have to make it a point to, to not self-sabotage because that's an easy thing to do to put ourselves in a space of self-sabotage, okay? We want to stop and think, what are some things that, that are going to, you know, that, or, or some things that make me unique? You know, the one thing that I want to stop and say is that, you know, we all have a past. We all have things that have broken us down situations that may have happened, some type of a physical or mental or spiritual abuse that we may have gone through, okay? Or we may have had an easy life where we've never had to want for anything and now we're in a place of struggle. And so that may be our, our you know, our, the thing that, that is, is compromising for us. You know, it doesn't always be that everyone has a, a, 
a past where it's abuse. It may be a past of ease. And, and we're just not used to having to fight for things that we want because we've always been given things that we've needed. So there are two extremes there. But no matter the pieces of our life and the experiences that we have, you know, it is our faith and, and it is, is our trust that binds those broken pieces together because we are all you know, even with the broken pieces of our lives are all a beautiful mosaic when those things are put back together with peace, with, with knowing our purpose. It begins to weave those broken pieces back together and we become a beautiful mosaic. And if you've ever seen mosaics, if you've ever gone into any of these little uh, thrift shops or anything else like that, and you've seen those broken pieces of glass, and then you see, uh, you see them put back together with cement, and they make these beautiful mosaics, there's no two pieces that look alike. And that's how it is in our lives. There are no two pieces that are alike. We are a mo mosaic unique to who we are. We all may have similar experiences, but we have different variables in those experiences that make that experience unique to us, okay? So, you know, in, in, in seeking to redefine yourself, you're not conforming to the norm because you're asking why. Why am I in this space? Why am I, uh, you know, choosing to, to live this? Why am I considering this to be the end all to be all? And then we turn around and we say, okay, now that I've identified that why, now I need to ask for help. And as I was saying just a, a few minutes ago, sometimes you don't want to ask for help, but sometimes we need it because we don't have the answers to everything. So we have to be in a space of, of being open to accept help if we need it. And now let's talk a little bit about how we do that. When we talk about looking for help or for seeking help, we want to make sure that we're going to the proper source for that help. Okay, if you're writing down notes, write that down. What is the source of your help? Are you asking a person who has knowledge about what it is that you have a question about. Sometimes we tend to ask our friends or we tend to ask other people who are in our circle, but are they qualified to answer the question? That's something that's important. You know, as a coach, I don't have all of the answers, but I have a coach and my coach coaches me because I don't know the answers to everything. So it's important that you have people who are qualified to answer the questions that you may have. You want to have people who can give you the answers or give you the knowledge that you need so that you can make informed decisions. You don't wanna just ask anybody. The world is full of public opinion, but that doesn't mean it's always the best opinion, okay? And it doesn't mean that it's the only opinion. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a term called a second opinion. Because <laughs> sometimes you may have to get a second opinion. 
but you want to make sure that the person that you are asking is someone who is qualified to answer the questions. You want to make sure that when you go to that person, that they are available, you know, and we can't be upset when they're not. Okay. Sometimes we ask for help or you may ask a person and the person may be busy and then you get upset with them because, oh, well, they couldn't help me. They didn't want to help me. Were they able to help you? Were they in a position to help you? You know, so these are questions that you have to ask yourself as well when you're talking about asking for help. Is that person qualified? Do they have the time to be able to help you? And if they don't, do you have a second person? You know, sometimes your plan A doesn't work out. Do you have a plan B? Do you have a second person or, or a third person? You know, and, 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 and that works two ways because sometimes, you know, of course, as a woman, as a nurturer, you want to always say yes. You want to say yes to everything. And sometimes you can't because you've got things on your plate. And so just like sometimes we need to learn to say no, sometimes we need to be able to accept that no and say, if this person is not available, do I have another resource? Think about when you go to the store and you say you're looking for a pair of tennis shoes and they don't have it at the store. Do you just stop because that's the only, are they the only store that sells those tennis shoes? Or do you go out and, and, and check a number of places? Oh, if they don't have it here, then I'm going to check over here. And if they don't have it here, I'm going to go over here. If it's something that you really want, you always make sure that you have more than one way in to get it. Oh, you know, I need to be able to pay for this and I don't have it. So I'm going to ask Joe first. And if Joe doesn't have it, then I'm going to ask this one or that one. For those things that we want, we always seem to find, you know, that resource. So we always, we're always able to try to find what it is that we need when we really want something. And we have to think about that, about the aspects of our life and not be so quick to give up when, when the thing that, you know, the person or the resource that we're looking for doesn't pan out. Is there another one? So we want to take those things into consideration when we're looking for help. Is that resource a reliable resource? And if that resource isn't available, what are some other options that I have? Okay, so we want to take that into consideration as well. Okay, then lastly, what I want to talk about, because like I said, you know, this, this is something that is, is a process. One last thing that I want to talk about is, you know, self-care. What are you doing for yourself? What are some things that you are doing to, to take care of you, to replenish and to energize yourself. You know, we've been hearing a lot about that. One thing that I talk about at the end of each one of these shows is I tell people, I ask people how they're living in the now. What are you doing to navigate in this new space that we're in? You know, one of my favorite things to do is I love meditation. I love reading. I love doing my Bible study because those are things that nourish me, mind, body, and spirit. 
You know, I love to exercise. I love dancing to good music. I love listening to good music. I like to listen to my R&B and my jazz and, and uh, you know, every now and then I like to listen to classical music. But then I also like to listen to the, the tongue drums, you know, and I like to listen to frequencies. Those are things that were new to me that I, that I was introduced to and that I find soothing and relaxing at the end of the day. That's how I go about, uh, you know, cooling down my day. I write in my gratitude journal, three things that I'm grateful for at the end of every day. These are things that are reminders to me of, of, of what's important. You know, what is important to me? What, do I, what are the things that are going on, you know, in my life that I'm grateful for? Okay. On the flip side of that, I also am a person who likes checklists because I want to make sure that I, I uh, accomplish the things that, that I set to accomplish each day. Okay. And even if it's just one thing, because I don't try to set the expectations so high that I can't attain them. Okay. Sometimes we have to, you know, we always say you have to call before you walk. What am I doing? What is something that I'm doing? you know, right now that's going to, you know, help me to, to get one thing off of my plate. That's something that is important for us to remember. We have to do things that are going to replenish us, that are going to give us hope, that is going to, you know, allow us to feel successful. And if we try to do too many things at one time, we're never going to feel that sense of, of, of being successful or that we've done anything. Think about people who are, we'll, we'll give an example in each one of the areas of our life, okay? If we're talking about the physical, if you decide that you want to go on a diet and you restrict yourself and say, well, I can't eat this and I can't, I can't eat this and I can't have this and I can't have that. How about what you can have? Okay. Sometimes that's what we tend to do. We sit there, we talk about how many, well, I, we can't, I can't have this. And, you know, I can't eat this. So, you know, and, and they say, I can't have bread and I can't have sugar and I can't have it. Can we just start with having eight glasses of water or a glass of water if we're not drinking any water? What are we doing to help ourselves to be successful? Because we could say, you know what? I have one glass of water today. Yay me. And celebrate that. The small wins. Okay. Yeah, I can't have all these things. But guess what? I can have this. And I can have that. Or I can have this meat. I may not be able to have as much of it. But I can still have it. I can have a couple of chips as opposed to the whole bag of chips. How about that? You know? we have to start looking at things from a different perspective, okay? When we talk about spiritual things, you know, you may have somebody who says, well, you know, I'm, I'm gonna have to memorize the whole Bible. Really? Or I have to read the whole Bible in a year. How about just reading one verse? How about looking at something that may be going on in your life and finding a scripture verse that addresses that? Go into Google and just type in there, you know, 
uh, verses talking about, about being angry. Those verses will come up and maybe you just read those verses. Maybe you just read one. Maybe you seek to memorize just that one verse so that when you get angry, you know, you may go back to a, a scripture and say, you know, be slow to anger. And that may be the thing that reminds you to, to calm down. But it was that one thing. Okay. Think about when, when you're talking about your mind. Think about self-regulation. Okay. And that's where, okay, somebody has pressed your button and you're angry and you may just have to say, okay, let me go over here and sit down for a minute. Let me count to five. One, two, three, four, five. Count to 10. Take five deep breaths, you know, and, and, and start practices that can be something that you can incorporate into your life. And it's something that you can do continuously or that you can do for a long period of time, not something that you can only do for a few minutes and then forget. You want to start setting small goals like that. And then as you master those things, start looking into to adding on to those things. Okay, I memorized one scripture verse. Now I'm going to memorize two. Okay, I've taken five deep breaths and, and, I, and, and that's helped me to, to self-regulate when I get upset. Now, let me see if maybe I can do something like that when it's time for me to, to relax at the end of the day. You know, I was able to drink those two glasses of water. Okay, by the end of this week, I'm going to try for five glasses of water. But you understand that there is a process behind the things that we're doing and that you're doing those for your own edification, that you're doing them so that you're uplifting yourself. And that's something that's important. Because one thing that I say is that, you know, and we've heard it, it's, it's very cliche, you know, you cannot pour from an empty cup. But if you have a cup that overflows, now not only are you pouring from, you're not pouring from an empty cup anymore, you're pouring into someone else, but you're leaving some for yourself. So that, that way you can both toast to your successes. And you're not just looking at that person with animosity because you've given them everything and you've left nothing for yourself. Make sure that you, your cup is at a space of overflow so that you can pour into others but still have some left for yourself and then you can both celebrate. That's the joy. That's the, that's the success. But it is all a process. None of these things of, of, you know, getting to a space where you're removing toxic people from your relationship, determining what may be some of the barriers that are going on and some of the stumbling blocks, asking why those stumbling blocks are there, you know, being able to, to um, you know, take care of yourself, to, to have that self-care take place, you know, looking into all of those things and, and, and figuring out how, you know, and, and being able to ask for help. Let me not forget that one. <laughs> being able to ask for help and, and, and figuring out what those resources look like. All of these things don't happen overnight. And none of these things are the, the magic solution for everything. But they're, they're means to an end if we're consistent, 
if we're willing to, to take those small steps to move from that space of, again, being inspired to, to transitioning so that we can transform. And we transform by the renewing of our minds. Okay? Look up that verse. <laughs> See if you find that one in the Bible. Okay? But we want to get to a space where, where we're at least putting one foot in front of the other. When we see that something isn't working, when we see that our internal navigation system isn't working, what are we doing to recalibrate that? What are we doing to, to change the trajectory of our lives? And that's something that we have to be mindful of constantly if we're seeking to find the better version of ourselves, okay? So I'll leave you with that because I don't want us to get to a space of overwhelm. But those are just some things to consider. And those are some of the things that we address and take deeper dives in through my Redefining You business. So if you want to know a little bit more about Redefining You and that process, I would love for you to go to my website, www.redefiningyou.com. It'll also take you to a tab for this How Now podcast as well. So that's Redefining You, R-E-D-E-F-I-N-D-I-N-G-Y-O-U, www.redefiningyou.com. And again, you'll see a tab there for the How Now podcast, and you'll be able to like, follow, and share on this show. Okay, so I hope that the information that I have shared with you this evening has at least put a little seed in your body that's going to grow, that's going to help you to grow, that's going to at least get you a little curious about some things that you can do, especially if you're feeling stagnant in where you are in this point in your life, or if you're getting to a space where you'll be empty nesting soon, or you're, you have changes in your relationships and you're seeking to figure out what your next steps are. There are options. There are things that you can begin to do to you know, create that, that alignment of your mind, body, and spirit. And know that it's not just one thing, it's, it's those three components combined that are going to help you to get to where you need to be. Again, go to my website, www.redefiningyou. Make sure that you, uh, you know, click, uh, you know, leave me an email. Leave me, uh, you know, a message and let me know how I can assist you in redefining you. Okay. And so that'll do it for this edition of the How Now podcast, where we talk about how to live in the now. Please make sure that you reach out to me. Make sure that you like, follow, and share. And, you know, make sure that you're taking care of you. Making sure, make sure that you're seeking to be the best version of yourself that you can be. And there are those out there of us who are willing to help you who are willing to support you, who are willing to encourage you to transition so that you can be transformed. And until I see you the next time, I say peace.
Thank you.